everybody welcome to the 163rd edition of the holy backboard podcast i am dustin here in rip city and i got my man sage chilling here Woo! tech issues are a motherfucker dog like god damn it's the I, off season rest already showing i know dog. i've i've I, I wanted to do use this new technology to record podcasts so it'd be easier on me and we t- spent like 10 minutes trying to get that shit to work, and it did not work. Now we went back to our old oldie but goodie, and we had to figure out all this tech problems. Um, yeah, we out here, though. We're out here, Blazers offseason, ready to talk about our Portland Trail Blazers. Man, how are you feeling, man? Honestly, there's a huge void right now. Um the one thing about having a successful season and coming up short of, of a title is you want to play the next day. You want the season to to start next week. And it is going to make, you know, the draft is June 20th. It's going to make the next 25 days just agonizingly slow. And then you've got June 30th being free agency. And then you have Summer League in July. And then after that, I mean, we basically have three months of the dog days of summer, and it's tough because I really just want to watch basketball. I want to see this team play so well, and and the Western Conference Finals were a joy to be a part of, but fuck, they were only there for a week. I mean, you've got the finals. They have like, you know, two, three days off in between games. It just would have been nice to enjoy the the Western Conference Finals a little bit Yeah, a nice luxurious rest. I mean, it's just like it was day off game, day off game, day off game. And it's like, I get it. But also, why are we spreading out the regular season so much and trying to force all these conference finals games just in rapid fire? And now we have this huge drop off in in in, uh, in days before the NBA finals start. So extremely questionable scheduling by the powers that be at, at the league office. But I digress. That's neither here nor there. The season is over. It ended last Monday. The Blazers fought valiantly. Once again, had a you know pretty good sizable lead, 17 points, but lost in overtime, 119-117. The Warriors completed the sweep. Portland Cinderella season officially over, and now it, it, it's time to move into the offseason where the Blazers have a lot of questions uh, to answer. That This team has just 10 players under contract and they're already around $125, $126 million in salary. And when you have a projected salary cap of $118 million in, in 2020, with the luxury tax being at 143, Blazers are already eight, nine million dollars over the salary cap with just 10 players on the roster. So it's gonna be a lot of wheeling and dealing and Mm -hmm. putting the puzzle pieces together for Neil O'Shea and you know he's gonna have his hands full but he did get extended through the 2024 season coach Cherry Stotts also extended through the 2021-2022 season and it looks to me like Jody Allen is not fucking around if you listen to the Rip City Report podcast with, with Casey and Joe Casey basically said that the employees have been told that the team is staying with Jody um, and, awesome and I think it's pretty evident with the, the moves that have been made. I mean, you look at trading for Rodney Hood, taking on extra salary just for Scalabissier, um, bringing in Ennis Cantor and basically saying, you know, we're not going to waste a moment. We're going to, you know, extend Stotts. We're going to extend Olshay. They far exceeded expectations for the year. And the reports are coming out that Damian Lillard, who made second team all NBA, will also be extended for that four-year $191 million Mm -hmm. Supermax. So it seems like the Blazers, who just four seasons ago lost six of their top seven rotation players, Damian Lillard was the the lone ranger left to kind of man the station. They are now where I think Neil O'Shea wanted to be. I, I don't think anybody would have saw this path being the one that would have led us to the Western Conference Finals, but... 
In 2015, we lost all of that talent, and four years later, we're coming off of a Western Conference Finals Mm -hmm. run with, I think, the best is yet to come for this team. So, you know, it may have not been the traditional route to get there, but Portland's here, and now we have a a very important offseason to really continue that momentum. You know, it's crazy. I'm really thankful and really happy that we decided to record today rather than the day of... Dame's second team all and award or when Neil O'Shea got his uh, extension or when Terry Stotts got his extension. Honestly, like the way I describe how Portland Twitter and like people are about our, our, our figureheads, the coach and GM, it's like, yo, man, this reminds me of politics where we're rooting for our favorite like TV station. Are you MSNBC or are you Fox? Like, people have so many strong opinions on who's at fault, who's the perfect person. To me, it's like, they work well together, and they're basically, in tandem, for as long as one is working in Portland, they're both going to work in Portland. If one leaves, I'm assuming that other one's not far behind. So it's weird to see these clashing opinions, whether it be the Terry Stott bros or whatever they want to be called where he does no wrong. He does absolutely no wrong or, or Neil O'Shea putting together the team. Well, he only put used, you know, minimum salary to sign players when no, he didn't. He used the MLE, which is an exemption, not minimum salary. So there's a lot of misinformation. There's a lot of, there's a lot of things happening in a lot of emotions are going on right now. And it's like, we have a week to chill and digest all of this this content, and I'm really thankful for that. Absolutely. Like, I think let's start with the Olshay and Stotts extensions. I think both were very well-deserved. Absolutely well-earned. And we have not been the most vocal of Terry Stotts or Neil Olshay supporters, but I think from day one of this 2018-2019 season – we both viewed them as a package deal. And for me, if they got us out of the first round, yeah, stay around. Like mm-hmm. I, I'm not going to say, you know, you should be fired. They passed expectations. They passed expectations. They, they took a roster. Now, mind you, this was before Nurkic went down. They took a roster that made the three seed in the Western Conference last year. And I think they finally were able to show a little bit more potential and a lot of things happened for, for it to happen. But at the end of the day, the Blazers made it out of the first round. I mean, nobody's going to really remember the story of how it happened through 82 games. All that we're going to look back in, in the history books is the Blazers got out of the first round, gutted out a seven game series against the Nuggets and, and made a Western conference final appearance. At the end of the day, results matter. I mean, you can argue semantics, you know, all you want, but Neil Olshay had very limited resources this time last year. What did he do? He took the mid-level exception, split it up between Seth Curry, who was coming off of a season-long injury, and Nick Stauskas. He let, he drafted, traded for Gary Trent Jr. No, we just bought, we bought picks for Gary. I think, no, no, excuse me. We traded second-round picks, future for, for G Trent, we drafted Simons in the first round and he was able to trade multiple second round picks, Wade Baldwin and Nick Stauskas to get us Rodney Hood. I mean, that is a massive upgrade. He also brought in Ennis Cantor off the buyout market and everyone kind of poo-poos on those moves saying, oh, any GM could have done it. Well, if, well, if any GM could have done it, why didn't they? And throughout his exit interview, Neil O'Shea talked about the type of the player that the Portland Trailblazers have had success with throughout his tenure is, you know, the the reclamation project. You know, somebody who needs a redemption story, someone who has a chip on their shoulder, someone who has something to prove, someone who has been cast away. And, And you can see that Seth Curry looked like he was up and coming with Dallas, had an injury. It really slowed all of his momentum. Mm hmm. Rodney Hood went from being a potential starter on the Utah Jazz playoff team two years ago with Gordon Hayward and basically became an outcast in, in Cleveland after his postseason performance with LeBron and co. after they you know got swept by the Golden State Warriors. 
And Ennis Cantor went from being one of the best bigs in the game off of the bench to not even playing for the worst team in the league in the New York Knicks. Comes to Portland, averages a double-double. I mean, we all know Ennis' story. I mean, an amazing person on and off the court. And Neil found those guys and was able to go out and use limited resources. I mean, he is very good at, at bar- bargain basement hunting. I mean, he is he is the Dross Dress for Less GM of the year. Yeah, like he is really, 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 really good at finding market inefficiencies. Like you said, let's talk about the Mo Harkless deal. Like he finds those bargain basement players and finds them the home. If they fit within the scheme, he's willing to try them out. So he's very good at finding those fringe players and when you have a star like when you have a star like damian lillard but like when you when you have damian lillard you have to find those pieces that fit and i feel like the the end result of the year those pieces fit with damian lillard and i i think what neil has to do is you can't skip steps in 16, he skipped a few steps. Well, he tried to skip. I mean, if you're playing hopscotch, he was trying to skip all the way to the end. When you have an opportunity like this again, and he has an extension, he feels safe. I think really it's time to take every step needed to the ultimate goal of building a sustainable, good team. And we cannot afford to miss a step. That 2016 Blazers, we skipped a few steps and it fucking killed us. This time, we have to take every step necessary to succeed and build an effective team. And I, for one, am very happy with Neil O'Shea's work this year. Last year, I was pissed. This year, he made up for it. So good on him. Yes, I I think you hit the nail on the head. Last year, I wanted him gone. And he even admitted we were too conservative with our trade exceptions. We traded Noah Vonley to get under the salary or the, the luxury tax. And we didn't do anything to add to that team that won 49 games and earned the three seed this year. He learned from his mistakes and was able to add quality pieces at a a very market friendly cost and kudos to Terry Stotts for probably working alongside Neil O'Shea and saying, okay, if you bring in Ennis Cantor, yes, I can guarantee that he will be the backup center. If we bring in Rodney hood, absolutely. He's going to come in and, and play big time minutes. And those players fit the system and I would give Terry credit for expanding his system mm-hmm. because Ennis Cantor is a player we haven't had under Terry Stotts. LaMarcus Aldridge is the closest guy in terms of back-to-the-basket scoring, and we really haven't had a rebounder down low that that was able just to dominate the boards like Ennis. I mean, Nurkic has— Ed kinda. Yeah, Ed kinda, but, but Nurkic has— Shown glimpses of being able to score with his back of the basket. LaMarcus, you could never get him to commit to the post-up game. He wanted to drift to the perimeter. Ennis was a legit throwback. Dump it into him. Watch out. He's going to get buckets. Rodney Hood, on the other hand, I think the the culture that Dame and Terry have kind of co-created allowed him to find his confidence, and they they dumped it into him. They found the matchups. They said, okay, we're going to ISO you a bit on the block. We're going to let you go. You're a big guard. Like, nobody can really fuck with you on the block, and they made it work. So that's why, to me, there is no pro-Terry, anti-Neil, pro-Neil, anti-Terry. They are joined at the hip, mm-hmm. as your GM and coach should be. They both did a marvelous job, and I don't know why it's so hard to just accept that and say, okay, you know, we let's 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 now build on this success. But before we kind of go into the the off season too much, I still want to temper temper our fans' expectations. And what I really learned about basketball as I watched it in the early '90s was it's not always positive growth. You're not always on the same trajectory. You're going to have some setbacks along the way before you reach your ultimate goal, if you even get there. And to I mean, me, luck's the, a huge thing, man. To me, the perfect example is the Utah Jazz. I mean, they have two top 50 players of all time, Stockton and Malone. I would say they have a top 10 coach all time in Jerry Sloan. Amazing home court advantage. And they were basically on a roller coaster until they finally made it to the finals in 97 and 98. You know, looking at their basketball reference, Going back to 88, 
1988, they win 47 games. They make it to the conference semis. Well, then they lose in the first round in back-to-back years. In 91, they make it back to the semis. In 92, they played our Blazers in the Western Conference Finals. They didn't happen. The following year, they lost in the first round. Then they got back to the Western Conference Finals. Then, in 95, they lose again in the first round. In 96, they get back to the Conference Finals. It's not happening. So you've got a team eight years in the making, has all of these pieces together. They can't break through the ceiling. But they don't panic, just like Portland's doing. Culture, continuity, chemistry. They're able to keep it together. And finally, they break through. Stockton hits that shot in Houston. They get to the NBA Finals. They actually make it back-to-back years. You know, unfortunately, they ran into Michael Jordan and the Chicago Bulls. But you know what? A lot of other teams did that as well. I don't think many Jazz fans would trade those memories for anything in the world. Absolutely. Basically, what I'm trying to say is, yes, the Portland Trailblazers made the Western Conference Finals this year. But let's not fucking go overboard if we don't get out of the first round next year. We know how deadly the Western Conference is. We know how badly our hands are tied behind our back with the salary cap implications and how we acquired the players, meaning we don't have their bird rights. It's going to be very difficult to keep everybody on board. So basically just just trust the fucking process. Mm. Like that's what it is a process. Damian Lillard is going to be 29 this offseason. He is just entering his prime. We have got some time here, and to me, and I think you are in the same boat as well, it's the following offseason where Portland yeah, the, will really have an ability money. to to make a splash. And it, to me, it also does start this year as well because Portland is going to have to decide, do we want to let all of those expiring contracts expire next offseason, or do we want to package them up and see what we can get now? And so that's where Neil Olshay is really going to earn earn his bread. Because that that to me is that is the biggest decision of the entire franchise for the next five years. Go all in now or see what you can get a little bit later. Predicting in advance, but I'd definitely be up for trading those expirings because everybody that wasted money in 2016 is going to have money. It might be a good move to establish, get make trades to get that uh, make up for our free agency. Because a lot of teams have money in Portland, you know. Um, w- one thing I thought of when you were talking is Neil O'Shea, and I'm not talking shit, but Neil O'Shea is the president of basketball operations and the GM. Do you think there's a chance in hell that he hires a general manager to do like the day to day stuff where he focuses on the bigger picture? Because that the general manager has a lot of shit he has to do. And then the past ba- president of basketball operations overlooks it. I would be a fan of him hiring some one of his guys to be the general manager to handle some of the day to day stuff, so he isn't bogged down with like, you know, we have a roster spot for ten days. Want to sign somebody? I feel like G- Ed Neil O'Shea should be thinking of like, like you said, how big the summer is and stuff like that. But I, I don't know if he's the type of dude that would delegate. Yeah, I mean, I don't know him personally, so yeah. it's it's a tough call for me to say, you know, yay or nay on that. I would say it, it seems like he does trust the scouts. Um, they 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 have a keen eye when it comes to the draft. It seems like they're on board with the coaching staff, with with ownership, and you know, if if time comes and he does feel like he needs assistance, I hope he reaches out and gets it. But for, for right now, like. Maybe this year would be a weird time to do that just because of how the importance that it is. But on the other hand, maybe a fresh set of eyes would mm. would help. But it seems like he has the the direction he he wants the franchise to go. And he, he understands what 2016 did to this this roster and what it means for this upcoming summer and the type of players that are, are going to, you know, be attracted to the Trailblazers. I would also urge everyone not to freak out. If on you know June thirtieth, we're not reaching out to everybody that 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 you think of. To me, who we field on opening night will be significantly different than post All Star break. Mm-hmm. I do think we're going to get a buyout candidate. Uh, I think you might get someone who wants to quote unquote ring chase. I think Portland making the Western Conference Finals 
really allows those options to be, you know, feasible this time around. You know, I think a few years ago it was kind of a, a pipe dream, but Ennis Cantor doesn't join this roster if he doesn't feel like he's going to win. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that's where Portland's going to be able to get some assistance as they kind of grow and as the season matures. You also have to factor in Yusuf Nurkic. That's a big question mark. You know, when when is the big fellow going to come back? And you're also going to have to kind of work him in. I don't expect. Well, he's going to be rust. That rust yeah. is going to be so real for him. It's going to be super real. So, you know, there's a lot of things. And thankfully, we have Damian Lillard. Mm-hmm. We have a guy who is calm, cool, and collected and really is the, the ultimate foundation for a franchise. And everything kind of builds up from him. So, basically, what happens on day one, so many other factors are going to factor in over the course of the entire NBA calendar. So, don't freak out. Things happen for a reason, and I honestly think that they know what they're doing. Um, as much as I loved, you know, Ed Davis, Shabazz Napier, what he did, what were the right moves? I mean, we we had a significantly improved roster, and we didn't have a whole lot of assets to do it with. So, you know, we're, we're asking for a lot th- this offseason to do the same, but, you know, that's kind of what comes with the territory. So, on the other side, the coaching. Terry South is one of the few coaches that doesn't have an associate head coach. The only team I really know about that doesn't have an associate head coach is the LA Lakers. And I don't ever want the team that I broadcast about to be compared to the LA Lakers. Do you think Terry Stotts would be cool with hiring an associate head coach so he doesn't have to deal with all of the like head coaching responsibility? Um, Especially since Tibbetts and Vanderpool have been rumored to be head coaching candidates for a few years now, there's a chance that one or both might be gone. I think it's time for us to hire an associate head coach that can help Terry Stotts, preferably a defensive-oriented associate head coach. I mean, to me, I think that title is just vanity. I mean, when Stotts was speaking about Vanterpool and Tibbetts, one of them does handle the defense, one of them does handle the offense, just as Stotts and Casey were to Rick Carlisle in Dallas throughout that that 2011 um, title run. So I think that the title's a little bit, you know, vanity based. And I, I don't anticipate Vanterpool or Tibbetts leaving this offseason. It seems like most of the jobs have been filled. Um, Minnesota, if, if they, I think, is the only real can. Uh, I think they took uh, Saunders. Oh, yeah. yeah, they did. Never mind. I would say I don't un- anticipate Terry rocking the boat in terms of the coaching staff th- this, this summer or, you know, this season. What I would like to see is possibly bringing in a specialist and yes. not, for the, not for the entire season, but for the bring in a big man coach, like let's hire Hakeem Olajuwon for, you know, um, a week or two and let him work with the bigs or, or just something like that. Like, I, I mean, it has been rumored forever. Like, like Gary Payton was supposed to come in for a long time. Just kind of do that tish to bring the excitement back up. But also, you know, it's also good to hear from different vantage points, different perspectives, get fresh eyes mm-hmm. on, on the scenario. So I'd be open for a, you know, a part-time specialist, you know, w- once in a, you know, a blue moon, but just to kind of uh, make things a little bit fun. I would love to get Sam Cassell to work with uh, our two guards. Cause he's been, he has a really nice reputation around the league of developing guard talent. I would love to either bring Silas or uh, Sam Cassell in to work with Anthony. I mean, Anthony, like he's young if you got a vet like Sam Cassell to show you the ropes, I think that would only benefit him in the future. That's true. I would also say whatever the coaching staff is doing currently is working. Dame, CJ, both. Dame was ready from day one, but CJ was able to develop under the coaching staff. Will Barton earned his chops here. Alan Crabb as well. I mean, you look at all of the, you know, quote unquote, reclamation projects. Shabazz Napier had his best year in in Portland. Seth Curry had a revitalized year in Portland. Um, we saw already what Simons can do. So I'd be all for Sam Cassell, but but I do think they do a really good job of developing their guard talent. To me, what's it's Kim the Hughes bigs. up to? Huh? What's Kim Hughes up to? Ugh. I, I want a no offense to Kim Hughes. I want like a legitimate big man coach, someone who was just a destroyer back in the Would prime. you That's want like, an actual coach or would you like uh I don't uh Wes Unsell Jr. to be the big man coach? 
or would you want Wes Unseld to be the coach? Hakeem. Hakeem the dream. Okay, so you'd rather the player that was highly, highly successful with his post moves? And it's more just like, let him pick your brain. Like, you know, what... Breaking the what bread. What did he look at? Yeah. How did he? How did he approach the game? Wouldn't hurt. But again, we're we're being very nitpicky when it comes to the coaching staff. Either way, both well deserved. Let's move on. Damian Lillard, second team All NBA. Humongous. Every person had the star from Oakland on their ballot. He was either first, second, or third team. Nobody left him on his. Left them off. Their ballot, which I think speaks volumes. I was a little surprised to see. I was a little surprised to see how far the gap was between he and Steph in terms of regular season. And you know, I didn't think Curry had the best regular season. The ball was in Durant's hands most of the time. But either way, Dame finishes second team All NBA. It is his fourth All NBA appearance. Clyde had five, and he got his fifth. In 95, when he played about 41 games in Portland and 35 in Houston. So, technically, Clyde has five. Dame has four. So, Dame is closing that gap in terms of in terms of the accolades you're looking for when it comes to best trailblazer ever. And I think he will easily surpass Drexler in that area. So, making that team also earned Dame and Lillard a lot of bread. Super, super max, baby. The Derrick you know, Rose max. I mean, for- Chris I've been telling people the, how important the super max is. Like you can, you're eligible to get 35% of your, the cap. It's huge. Like he, he will be with the Giannis's Steph Curry. Like it, it's a big deal that, for him to be able to be part of those higher echelon players with uh salary. So I'm very proud for Dame to, uh, to, uh, get that honor. So it was huge, man. I've been surprised at how many people, so I, I, you know, perusing some forums online, how many people are kind of against it, like, or, or that Dame should take some form of a discount. And I'm just Get like, Get that fucking bag, Dame. Exactly. Like, and he, he, owns- yo, yo, he's doing the Blazers a huge favor and sign. If he signs it this year, he's missing out on fucking $60 million. Shut the fuck up. I feel like it is totally cool for us to find savings. 2 through 15. If Damian Lillard is eligible to make that super max deal, I want him to feel like he earned it because he did on the court. I want him to financially feel that, that love, how much we love this man. He needs to feel it in the bank account. He's taking a discount signing it this year, potentially. So, yo, Dame, get that fucking bag. I mean, I think you're absolutely right. Uh, that deal basically takes Damien through the age of 35. And at that point, you're probably looking at the Dirk, the Dirk level of discounts coming on after that. You know, uh, to me, you know, knock on wood, I envision Dame playing his entire career in Portland. And, and that matters to me. That's something that's always hurt is, you know, you see pictures of Terry Porter playing for the Wolves or the Spurs. God forbid, you know, Jerome Kersey played for the Lakers, Drexler, the Rockets, like, I want to see Dame stay in Portland his entire career. And and this contract basically to me ensures it. There are rumors he wants a player option this time around, which, you know, good Good for him, him. whatever whatever he wants, that is completely fine. But I think people are getting a little too scared of, of the Supermax. Yes, it's bitten John Wall and the Washington Wizards in the ass, and it doesn't look great for Russell Westbrook and the Oklahoma City Thunder, but what I would say is both of those players, their game to me is at least 50 plus percent predicated on athleticism. Dame isn't. Dame is a student of the game. He knows how and when to get a shot off. He, he Yes, he was in the dunk contest, but he's not the best athlete. He's not the quickest, but he just he just knows. And there's just it's, it's almost like a John Stockton or a Steve Nash. But he is able to continue to age like a fine wine. And to me, I am not worried about paying him that amount of money as he ages. Because to me, he is just now getting into the prime of his career. And it also shows we're willing to go all in with you. Mm -hmm. We are trying to win. The pairing of Damon CJ proved this year it can work. Prove me wrong. I was on board until about the middle of the season. I was like, I don't know. Prove me wrong. 
it can work. This is our franchise player. You don't want to piss him off. You don't want to cheap out on the fucking star player, the most important player, probably in franchise history. You don't want to piss him off. So I'm totally willing to give him every cent he's earned, the maximum amount, because he deserves it. But we we've had him on the team for seven years. Yeah, 2012 about. was the year he got drafted. So yep. seven years. You, in seven years of working with a a person, you know what that person's about. If you think that as a person he won't half-ass it, and he's going to play his ass off every game like he has the last seven years, you pay him that money and be happy about it. John Wall has partied like he's been partylicious for five fucking years. He's he's been partying. Did you see how he showed up to training camp? I mean, his face was a meme. He yeah. looked like he got stung by thirteen bumblebees. So, I think if you know him as a person and you trust that he's going to do what's best for him and the team, you give him the money. If you're dealing with a partylicious point guard who likes to fucking party hard, you might. Think again about that 35% and give him a 25% max. Um, one thing I want to do, every GM and coach talk with a certain a player about the things that they want to see them improve on in the summer. And I think it's a good exercise to hear for us to go through the team. And just a little something like, what would you tell Dame to work on in the summer? If you're, it, Let's say Terry Stotts and Neil say, we like the holy backboard. We trust them to tell the tell these players what to do. What would you say to Damian Lillard to get to practice on for this next this, this next year? What would you tell him? It's tough because I feel like he put his teammates in the in the right position to succeed, and a lot of the times that shot just didn't go in. I would say it's a combination of being a little bit more aggressive when attacking the rim Mm -hmm. along with continuing to work on the range because that's what really got him past the first round was adding that range to his shot. Um, I believe he said he wanted to add the step back three. I I would just trust Dame to study the rest of the elite scores in the league and kind of pick and choose. Um, It may be too late in his career for him to be this way, but maybe watch Steph Curry a bit in terms of how he moves without the basketball. Um, that is just uncanny. And I don't expect him to necessarily add that or be at that level, but, and it also comes with having to have another reliable distributor on, on the team to get him that, that look, but being able to play off the ball is probably number one. In my opinion, I would say that, I would like him to develop a few more moves in attacking the basket where he does the floater or the runner because sometimes he meets a seven footer at the rim and it, it's kind of scary. So I would, I would, I would look at CJ McCollum's running get, runner game or floater game as a, another, another wrinkle in his attack. Yeah. Speaking of CJ, I would love to see Dame split the defense. CJ is really, CJ is yeah. elite at that. Dame's really good. If he can become elite, um, so a we little tighter handle. That. Yeah, we saw D- yes, tighter handle because CJ's handle I don't think gets enough credit. I think it's on par with Kyrie. Mm-hmm. It maybe not it maybe doesn't have the 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 national eye that Irving does, but CJ's handle is filthy. If Dame can tighten that up, uh that's just another element that's going to make him super difficult to defend. All right. We we mentioned him. CJ McCollum, what would you tell him to improve on for this next year? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's tough. So to me, CJ is the mid-range god. I mean, I love the fact that he hits the mid-range. I would, again, I would like to see CJ work off the ball, but I would also like to see him be quicker with his move. When he is successful, it's whap-whap jumper. Instead, some earlier on in the season, he was holding onto that ball five, six, seven, eight seconds, and, I mean, just, just crushing the offense. So... Quicker decisions, moving without the ball is what I would say for CJ. I think he needs to get his body ready for the type of usage that he played in the playoffs because we need him to carry the ball more. I mean, Nurkic took 20% of the usage. I would say a good portion of that usage is going to CJ McCollum 
So I think he needs to get his body a little bit more ready to handle the the 82 games of being the man. Um, the man. So I that's what I would say. Um, I mean, so- I think that's that's factually correct for Damian Lillard as well because you mentioned it. Nurk's not going to be here, and they were able to go on maybe a six to eight week run without Nurk and them shouldering that load. They are probably playing a little bit on adrenaline and mm. just knowing that it's it's winner go home. But they're gonna have to have that mindset from game one because the Blazers go as Damon CJ goes, regardless of what Olshay does this offseason. They are gonna have to shoulder that load, like you said, for eighty two. Yep. And there or not, I think if the Blazers are gonna have a a a, a really good seed come, come next April, it's gonna be based upon whether we got tremendous seasons out of those two. So Mo Harkless, I'm I'm just going through the st- starting five right about now. What Mo Harkless? What do you think he needs to improve on? Make it one thing. Of course, we would love him to improve like five different things. But what's the one thing you would want Mo Harkless to improve on? I want him to shoot a thousand three pointers a day. Like From where? the shots that he gets are so open. If he was able just to become a knockdown shooter, that's your 3 and D guy. Mo is young. Mo can be the future of the franchise at that small forward position if he's able to shoot the three like a Trevor Ariza, like a P.J. Tucker. Mm-hmm. He is very good on defense. He can slash with the best of them. He's athletic as hell. Mo Harkless, we need you to get in the gym and work on that jumper. That bottom line, the jumper. So this is Al Farouk. What would you say to Al Farouk? I don't know because I let's only talk about people under contract. Fine. All right. Uh I would say <laughs> because I don't know if he's going to be back. Yeah, all right. What about well, is what about Cantor? Not under contract. All right. Um Myers Leonard. Myers I, I mental. It it is all mental for Myers and I think he needs to come into the season prepared to shoulder a, a larger load. I mean, I think I discussed this with you. Myers could very well be our starting center on opening night. And he came in with the right mindset this season. And I thought he played really good ball. And even when we brought in Ennis Cantor, he never really let it waver. He was still positive on the bench, cheering on his team. And when he was called upon in games three and games four, he was ready, locked, and loaded. Uh, what I want to see from Myers is the mental state of mind. If you're going to get minutes, trust yourself. This is a contract year for you. Believe in Myers Leonard. Believe in your ability. You're an athletic freak who can shoot the ball from the three-point line as a seven-footer. When you get the ball in open spaces, attack the goddamn rim. I mean, you are a beast. Believe in yourself. Because if I was Myers, I would watch game three and game four and be like, this is what I can do. I mean, if teams want to leave Dame one-on-one, so be it. But if they want to double, pick and pop Myers all day long. Pick in, you know, slide that pick and roll. Dump it over the top. Then Myers has it at the free throw line. Work on your catch and shoot. Just be aggressive and make quick, concise decisions. Do not overthink the game. I would have him run and defend like a thousand pick and rolls a day. Just so he gets the reputation. He gets those reps and uh, the repetition. Yes, thank you so much. Him and Dame just get into a gym and practice pick and roll. Um, oh shit! I don't want to do him next. So Zach Collins. I think this is the trickiest player for Portland this off season, and I say that because Zach likes the five better than the four. And we already have Nurk as the franchise five. Myers is is the five right now. You have Ennis Cantor, who you hope to resign as a five. So Zach, to me, has got to learn how to play the four. If you're going to be on the, the Trailblazer roster and getting minutes, it's going to be at the power forward position for the majority of, of the time. Uh, like Myers Leonard, I would really want Zach Collins to believe in himself. Too many times... He gets out there and is uncertain of what to do. I would have him go drill over drill of Mm -hmm. getting the ball down low on offense and holding it with two hands. Like he needs to become stronger on the offensive end of the floor. 
And again, it only comes with Rep. with repetition. It only comes with experience. But he needs to get stronger hands on offense. He needs to learn how to finish around the rim. Uh, I think his three-point shooting is going to improve with time. He's, he's got too good of a stroke. But as a seven-footer, if you want to stay on the floor, he needs to get stronger on the offensive end. So add 15 pounds of muscle and work on your post moves. Like and rebound. Work on finishing in traffic. Absolutely. Get them hands strong. All right. I, I agree with that. Evan Turner, what do you say? If I'm Evan, I really work on just my mid-range game. I mean, he gets so many open looks, whether it's off of the post or, you know, dribbling through traffic. And he's not going to change his shooting style, which is already a slightly, you know, very, um, there's not a lot of arc on his shot. But if he could become deadly in the mid-range like a Sean Livingston, to me, I mean, I think that's where he's going to earn his next contract is if he can perform like a Sean Livingston. Whenever Sean gets the ball, you know he's going to hit that 8-9 footer. He's great in the post-up. Um, he can finish. I mean, we all saw how valuable Evan Turner could be during Game 7 of mm-hmm. the Denver series. That That's E.T. That's why Neil O'Shea signed him. But when he's not able to shoot, it's just so hard playing four and five on Absolutely. offense when the when Especially the he's not it, it, exactly. I would say tighter handle. I think that he has an array of moves to get around one, but then I think for whatever reason, if it's if he gets into the paint, that handle becomes really loose. So I would tighten his handle of just dribbling closer, like. I, his dribbling in the post is scary, so I would get a tighter handle. I think this one's actually a fun one. Anthony Simons. Play. Play as much as you can this summer. Go to UCLA, play in those NBA pickup games. He's obviously going to lead the team in NBA Summer League. The guy, I think, just needs experience. Mm-hmm. Um, he's got an unorthodox jumper, but it's quick, and it goes in. I would, again, maybe work out with CJ McCollum. Get that hand a little bit tight. He's able to get into the middle of the floor. So can he work on that pull-up? Can he work on that floater? We've already seen that he's got a little bit of everything. So for me, I just want to see him play. Like, get your body right. You're going to get minutes this summer. You're going to get minutes this season. Mm -hmm. So play. Get as much experience as you can against NBA-caliber talent. Yeah, I think it's all about the reps for Anthony Simons. Um we know that he has one skill already, and it, that's the ability to generate space. So I think it's work on that, like work off combos of the generating space. So your pull ups, your uh, step backs, all of the things that go around your ability to generate space. And that's just, like you said, going to UCLA or going to the runs, going to as many runs as you possibly can. Um, so what about Jake Lehman? I know he's a free agent, but it's so cheap that I know we're picking it up. Work on the goddamn jumper. The form is too pretty for him to be this inaccurate. I think he plays. I think he's gonna have he's gonna have a role on the team. So, Ugh. I think the jumper, obviously, but maybe get stronger and. uh Again, probably practice defending the pick and roll. Um, Scott Labissier. Hit the weight room. He needs he need, he needs to go on the Zach Collins workout plan this summer mm-hmm. together. He needs another 10, 15 pounds. He has got the touch. He's got wingspan. He has got size. He has a potential if unicorn. Gets, if he can get stronger, he is my uh, dark horse candidate to uh, be breakout player of the year for the Blazers next year. I feel like the young guys really. It's you should play more, um, Gary Trent. But for Jr. him, I, I yes, play more. But for him, I, I don't know if he can bang on an NBA level with his body right now. He needs to get stronger. So the last one that's on the contract besides Nurkic, and I think what we would tell Nurkic just to heal. Um, yeah, Gary Trent Jr. His jumper. I mean, he was known for his three point shot at Duke. It was really inaccurate. Um, this season in Portland, it seemed like it took him a long time to get to get ready. Uh, he may be a candidate to play more in the G League. He looked really well in the G League when he got time. So, I mean, you can pick pick parts. Uh, 
you know, obviously play as much as possible, but continue to refine your jumper. That's what's going to get him on the court that's, initially. That's his, that's his, his, uh, that's his skill. That's his specialty. Yep. Yep. Exactly. I think also working on, working outside is great, but maybe get some inside game moves. Cause yo, like he's Buddy Heald. He's Wes Matthews. He's Steve Smith. Although those guys have a go-to post move. Maybe he, he'll, He's gonna. He has that body. He could punish. Like if they if they put a bad defender on him in that second unit, do some Rodney Hood and get get some buckets in the post. Um. So I mean, that's everybody on contract. I, I think it was a good exercise to just talk about the improvements I, I, we want them to do. We're bringing back dribble pass shoot, and I think it's important for this episode because there's a specific reason why I didn't want to talk about the players not under contract because I wanted to ask you your thoughts right now. So dribble pass shoot. The Portland trailblazers will not re-sign Al Farouk Aminu. So if you, if, if, if Zach Collins ascension didn't happen, I, I shoot that shit. And pass is just, eh? Or is passes you're straddling that fence right now? Oh, I'm straddling the fence. I would be. I I might like jump stop before I pass because I think or he passes, might passes saying no dribble. Dribble means you're you're on the fence, okay, so you're dribbling I, it. I would dribble it, but I I if uh, if a defender came at me, I would definitely pass before I shot. If that makes sense, like I I, I think I think it's all about price with him. I think. If he's willing to take let, I think he ha- is taking a pay cut from the the playoffs. I th- I mean, recency bias is a motherfucker. I think he takes a pay cut if he stays with the team. I don't think he comes back on the eight mil. Well, to me, it is all about how can you perform in the playoffs. I mean, that's where everyone earns the earns their money, right? Yeah, I mean, I mean, we saw Ed Davis was literally let go because he wasn't playable in the postseason. I mean, that's basically what Neil O'Shea said through the lines. This has been four years of Alfaro Camino in the postseason, and I think it was by far his worst outing. I mean, he wasn't able to hit the three consistently. We saw towards the end of the Denver series and basically all throughout the Golden State series, he was not playable. He would start the game and then would not come back. He is a valuable defender. He is still extremely young in terms of of life. Basketball life, he's probably just now going into the peak of his career. But I think he's already reached his ceiling. I don't think you're going to see a lot of improvement out of Al Farouk Aminu. What you he see is what, he is. It is what you get. So I am going to pass. I, I think Zach Collins earned the right to start at the four. Uh, I think the team drafted him at number 10 in 2017 to eventually start him. And I... I think that the tax bill is going to get really high. And the only way I think Aminu comes back is on like a three-year, $15 million deal. He makes $7 million this season. I don't think he's getting a raise. I think he's a fantastic locker room player, just as Ed Davis was. And I was going to say I'm going to you know shoot that. Aminu's coming back. Dame loves him. But Dame and everybody loved Ed Davis, and Ed Davis didn't come back. So I don't think that Dame's opinion of somebody is the end-all, be-all. Absolutely. It, it's really tough because Portland could potentially you know, really need Aminu if, they're, if they strike out on the rest of their free agents. And they don't have bird rights on really anybody but Aminu and Lehman. So you're essentially losing a rotation player for nothing, which hurts. But... I will pass with the caveat being that if it is a steal of a deal, five or six million dollars per, you take him back. He probably comes off the bench and he has at least a tradable contract. If he leaves, he goes to a good situation though, right? I don't know. So that's why it's difficult Did, to Was this playoff exposed him too much? I think the playoff exposed him. I, I don't think he's a starting four on a championship contending team or even a conference finals contending team there are also so many high profile this free agent class is deep i mean there are so many good free agents that it's going to be tough and if you look at west who is aminu 
starting over. It's it's I mean, not who is he pushing? I think he probably pushes Jeremy Grant in Oklahoma City. But I don't know if there are any spots out west that you're like, yeah, uh, Aminu is taking that guy's starting position. Mm. What about a rotation spot on a playoff team? Yeah, and I think that's possibly where Portland looks to bring him back. But I don't. I think his it, days of starting on a playoff team are over. Yes, and if he's willing to come back as a bench player for uh, a team-friendly deal, I'm shooting it. As his role stands right now and giving him a raise, I am passing that to the right. All right. Dribble, pass, shoot. Seth Curry is gone. Oh, I shoot that. I think I think that out of the top three, Rodney's gone. I think Seth's probably gone. I think NS stays. See, to me, Seth is the one that I, I'm shooting that. Seth, to me, is completely gone. Um, I listened to the latest Rip City report, and both Casey and Joe were all aboard that as well. Uh, I think Seth, I mean, he was making like $2.3 million. He's going to get more. He's he's going to get significantly more from probably maybe an Eastern Conference team, a poss- even possibly a starting position. I think Portland, of those three, can replace Seth Curry the easiest, easiest with, with internal mm-hmm. development, yep. specifically in Fernie Simons. So I think he he is gone. Um, dribble, yeah. pass, or shoot? Rodney Hood is the most important offseason acquisition the Portland Trailblazers can make of the internal players. I agree that he is. So I you're think, shooting it. I think that he is, but I don't think we're going to be able to afford him. He hasn't had a chance to get his bag in the NBA because he's he he just finished his rookie year. This next contract is where he makes the bulk of his income, and I don't think we have enough money to reasonably attain him. So I think he would be our biggest uh, returning player, but I don't think we can afford him. So I say we we pass. He he's going somewhere else. So I guess we pass him away. But I agree I'm, that he is the most important if we could keep him. I'm I'm shooting that. I am coming around to your time. Your your thinking. We had this. Your kind of thinking. Yes. He, I mean, we debated this a few episodes ago. Ennis or, or Rodney, and I think Myers and Zach. How they performed when you have Nurkic coming back. I think that offsets the loss uh, of Ennis easier than it would be to offset the loss of Rodney Hood. Yeah, I mean, like, had... positional fle- like, the positional, what he is, is way more important than what Ennis is, just because of who we have. I think Ennis I think, takes... I think we're able to find a way to get the full mid-level for for Rodney. And the full mid-level, I believe, is like $10 million or something like that per is season. It really? I thought it was seven. I, I think it's higher. I, I think it's... I could be wrong, and I'm not a salary cap expert, but it's let's just say it's between eight and ten mil. I think Portland does whatever they can to bring Rodney Hood back because he could eventually be a starter. Um, this is also, you know, Rodney's third team in three years, so I agree. Securing the bag is important. He it's nine point seven. Nine point seven. That's a lot of change. That's more money than he's made in his career, and he knows his role. He knows he gets finishing five type minutes. So is he going to be the microwave for us? I I think you have to bring Rodney Hood. You do whatever it can. You do what excuse, you do whatever you can. We do not beat Denver without Rodney Hood. And I think we're only scratching the surface to how good this guy can be. I mean, he could become a better three-point shooter. He gives us a back-to-the-basket asset. He's a good defender. He is that big guard that we've really only had in franchise history since I've been a fan three times. Drexler, Steve Smith, and Brandon Roy. Those are the three big guards that we have had. I think he gives us such a different look in comparison to Dame and CJ. Uh, We need to bring him back. And conversely, I say say that because Cantor has been paid. Yeah, he's had the back. He made $20 million this year. I think he'd be willing. Because we signed him to that restrictor free agency deal. I don't know how it's going to happen. I am still under the impression and the belief the Blazers will be able to bring back Ennis and Rodney. Winning matters. Culture matters. We're going to do whatever it takes to make the finances add up. So I think if we're able to go into the season with 
Ennis and Rodney, that is a A plus offseason. And then maybe some ancillary guys. Oh yeah, I mean you're gonna find the minimum players. You're gonna find guys who want to take a chance on Portland. You're gonna look at the buyout market post trade deadline. I mean, you're gonna look at guys who maybe aren't doing the best. What about draft uh, trades? Like let's say Shit, I'll just talk about the guy I want. So let's say Chicago drafts a shooting guard small forward that can handle the ball a little bit. What about us taking a shot on a guy like Denzel Valentine or something like that? I think that definitely could could be a uh, a a strategy that we look at because Denzel Valentine is basically a Neil O'Shea special, and I love him. He is, and I, I think that's what you're going to see from Neil O'Shea this offseason is he's going to find some guys with, you know, the... There's exceptions we can use. There's the minimum, you know, salary. Biannual. Yeah, he's going to find guys like he always does. And I think it's going to be a little bit hodgepodge put together, but. It's not the end result game one to game 82. There's a lot of different. To me, the Blazers will get their bread buttered two ways. They have to find a way to keep at least one of their main three free agents. And I don't think Seth is a priority. So you have to get Ennis or you have to get Rodney. The second one is you have to decide what you're going to do with your expiring contracts. Do you package a couple of first round picks with your expirings and go after a Blake Griffin type of player? Or do you wait and just let them expire and you might have some savings next offseason? Do you think we trade the first round? Dribble pass shoot, do we trade the first round pick? I think if it is on the table and you can trade 25 and Evan Turner oh for God. an expiring contract that makes maybe 8 or $9 million. In a fucking second. I think you shoot that because whatever Neil O'Shea can do, because right now we only have the taxpayers mid-level exception available, which is about 5 or $6 million. We need to cut some salary. If the 25th pick is able to do so, he will do that and we will able to we will be able to retain who we want. Mm-hmm. So I'm shooting that if that is an option. I tend to think that's not going to be on the table. It is a weak draft. It it's is a, a one-person really draft. Important. Let's be real. It's a one-person Two. draft. Two-person draft. Don't sleep on Jaw. Do not sleep. He may. I know you're a Pelicans guy, but he may be better than Zion. I'm not saying he is, but do not sleep on the kid. I, w- I mean. But back to the point. Okay, it it's a, a two-person draft. I, it's a weak draft. Yeah. It is a very deep free agency pool. It's going to be tough before free agency hits to convince the team to say, hey, take on additional $8 million in salary for the 25th pick in the draft. Yeah, I don't think I, the I, value is high enough with the, the with our pick. Not, not in this draft. The value is not there. If, let's say, it's the only way we could trade the pick is like a bad, like a rotation guy. Do we make the pick? Like, let's mean? say your scenario is off the table. So it's just like a pick for a player, a, a, like a, ro- a bad rotation player. Do you make it? Do we make the, the trade or we, do we take uh, a, a young player? No, I don't want a bad rotation. No, you take your chances with the pick. All right. Like, because I was just thinking, like, who the fuck gets traded for the 25th pick? And I was just thinking, like, Marco Bellinelli or something like that. No. Yeah. Because, like... 25th pick is fucking low because we did so well. So it's like, man, we're not going to get like a, 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 a game changer for this pick. So I, I, I think we make the pick. I mean, we'll find out in 24 days, yep. 25 days. All right. Do you have anything else you want to talk about? We did talk about a lot of shit in this episode. Talk about, I mean, we'll be back. Um, a lot of stuff to talk about. And yeah, we'll be back next week. You yeah. know, there's still some trade scenarios that that are out there. Um, obviously, the big one is you know should Portland trade CJ or what? What can you do to build around Dame? I've seen a lot of stupid scenarios thrown out there. Are you I, chilling on Twitter a lot with uh, the free agency or with with the season over? A little bit. I mean, I'll, you know, if you follow me, you'll still get a lot of retweets to save all the puppies and kittens. Um, big animal guy. But I'm just looking for a good place to talk basketball. You know, there's the forums are just trash lately with, with a lot of the ideas. So it's just me and you, bud. 
and uh well no it's me li- you and the people that listen to this podcast all our listeners you know shout out we, you know, we met anise for game four that was that was dope as hell um it was so awesome meeting uh him irl and you know watching the game so if that can continue to happen th- i mean th- this podcast is worth it in, right. in my mind so I, i'm just looking forward to talking blazers all, all off off season because yeah, I'm already itching for the season to start. I can't wait for the schedule to be released. I'm going to be watching every summer league game. You know, we got to get back-to-back chips. Uh, I, I really want to see the team continue to ascend because the city has gotten a taste of the Western Conference Finals. We now want more. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, so we are available on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, um, every podcast feeder. I mean, if it feeds off iTunes, you'll see the Holy Backboard, Himalaya Podcast. Nothing but net radio, uh, dash radio. But thank you so much for listening, and we will be back next week. Wherever you may be, this is Bill Shinley. Good night, everybody. Let's go!